I'm exhausted. Maybe you're feeling exhausted from this past week, too. I feel like the energy has just drained out of my body. So this morning, before we begin, I just want to do a little check-in. Would you do a check-in with me? Of Right now, if you just think about your body this past week, how did your body feel? Think about that. You know, did your body feel heavy and burdensome? Did your stomach feel nausea? Did you feel empty and just hollow? Our bodies are indicators of what's going on inside because our bodies and our souls are connected. You think about your emotions this past week. What were your emotions? What what would you describe your emotions to be like this past week? Were you sensitive? (laughs) On the verge of either yelling at any moment or on the verge of crying at any moment? Did you feel raw, like your nerve endings were exposed and overused? Did you feel touchy? Feel all the feels, connect with your body, and bring that to God this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are gathered all around the world in your name, and you are here with us. I pray that you would meet us in our emotions and that we would turn to you and look to you for a deep filling of your spirit today. Amen. Three things I want to talk about today. Autopilot, depleted, and replenish. Starting with autopilot. I'm sure all of you know what autopilot is Um, I have some airplane pilot friends, and I'm sure I'm exaggerating this incredibly. But I just imagine they somehow have to get the plane up in the air, and then there's a great big button that says autopilot, and they push it, and it takes the plane wherever it's programmed to go. Autopilot is this thing that just gets us where we're going in an automatic way. And we know this also in our own lives, in our own like living out our rhythms and our routines, our patterns, our habits. We go through our days on autopilot. We don't have to think a lot about some of those rhythms and routines. And the problem is for people like me who function on autopilot and can be driving down the road thinking about something far away, it's amazing that I can change lanes, that I can make turns, and suddenly arrive having no idea what just happened between when I left my house and how I got here. You know this idea of autopilot. And this past week, all autopilot, not all, many autopilot settings have been turned off. They've been like shifted out of gear for you. And now you have to like grab the steering wheel of life and go into manual mode. So there's many things that you just have to do differently this past week and in unexpected ways. One phrase that's been going around our house has been decision fatigue. 
And maybe you're feeling that fatigue. You're feeling like, oh my goodness, every moment I have to think about what's next. I have to make a new plan for how to do this. And you feel decision fatigue. I've also been reflecting this past week on how my grandparents and people who've gone before me have navigated through these kind of world crises. I was thinking about my grandma Grady and thinking about her favorite verse has been coming to mind. Her favorite verse was Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And I think I've always been curious why that was her favorite verse. But now this past week, I feel a little more connected to the stability, the faithfulness, the rock-solid foundation of God. You know, I think about my grandma and grandpa going through the Great Depression. You know, before the Great Depression, my grandpa was a, he owned a gas station and an auto repair mechanic shop. And the Great Depression happened, and they lost all of that. For the rest of my life, my grandpa worked for JB Produce as a produce delivery guy. His whole life shifted because of that. And I think about my grandma's favorite verse being this place of stability and security. When all the circumstances of life were changing around her, she had Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever as her solid foundation. If it would be helpful to you this morning, as you think about that phrase, pull out a piece of paper, make two columns, one column different, and write the things that are different this past week, the changes, and just see them. And on the other side, write the same. And what are all the things that are the same this past week? You know, I just noticed two squirrels ran through our yard, and I don't want those squirrels in my yard. Last week or this week. This morning, looking out in the dark sky, there was a star in the sky. And that star sent its light to us like, I don't know, many years ago. And now it's just arriving to us today. The trees, they're, they're still pushing out their leaves. The robins, I saw two robins the other day. The robins are back. I always mark the year by the robins coming back, beginning of spring. There's still so many things the same. And so with my grandma, I'm hanging on to this verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Second, depleted. Friends, Jesus also got exhausted. Jesus was depleted. And so we are in good company with Jesus. So it seems important in this season, as we are grasping onto what is solid, to grasp onto Jesus and his life and how he lived here and what he does in coming alongside of us in our life now. Jesus experienced all the feelings. And there were things that were very hard for him. And he experienced being sad and mad and afraid. And let's not leave out glad that Jesus also felt and experienced gladness. 
There's times when Jesus said, I do not like this. And in that moment, he took that, and he didn't stuff it away for it to become hardened in his arteries, but he took that and he brought it to his father and said, I don't like this. And I turn to you. So this morning, I want to quickly review some of the feelings that Jesus felt. But I'm going to do this super quickly and invite you to turn in your scriptures to Matthew's gospel and to invite you to read Matthew's gospel, to experience that story anew in this moment in time and to read asking the question, how was Jesus feeling in this story? What was Jesus thinking about in this story? And to see Jesus as a real person and to see how he connects with you as a real person. So first, Jesus got sad. And I talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about Lazarus being raised from the dead, that Jesus arrived at the tomb of Lazarus and he wept. He was brokenhearted. And I love John's word, of course, that Jesus had a horse snort reaction, a guttural verbal response to the sadness of the death of his friend. And so I invite you right now in this season, when you need to horse snort and express your sadness, just let it out. And then turn and lift your eyes to God and say, this is the moment I turn to you and I receive from you. You know, Jesus also got mad. He got angry. We hear this when Jesus is talking to the religious leaders in Jerusalem, when he calls them the blind guides, or he says, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Jesus got angry. Jesus even got angry with his closest 12 disciples' friends when he would say, ah, you of little faith, don't you get it? I can just imagine the anger and frustration of Jesus to try to express the kingdom of God to all these people. <laughs> and they didn't get it. They, they refused to get it in some cases. And the ones that were trying just couldn't get it. And it was frustrating. It was difficult. And in those moments, I'm sure, Jesus hung on to the faithfulness of God, that the plan was in place, and God would carry it through. So sometimes this season, when you get mad, horse snort it out, and then turn to God and remind yourself, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus also got afraid. I was just in Israel in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, the place where Jesus, after the Last Supper, took his disciples and asked them to pray for him as he went off alone and prayed. And that place and that moment was a place and a time when Jesus was afraid. I mean, Jesus was afraid of the pain that he was about to face in, in being crucified and tortured. But also Jesus was facing emotional pain that people were going to taunt him and mock him. His friends were going to leave him. And the emotional pain of the people saying, hey, if you're God, why don't you come down off the cross? And Jesus, knowing that he can, 
not doing that and the effort that that would take and the fear that he would hear their mocking and respond and show them. But perhaps the greatest fear for Jesus was that when he takes on the sin of the world for the first time in eternity, the Father would turn away. And how painful that would be. So Jesus knew fear. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, I am sure, Psalm 22, because those are the words that he then said when he was on the cross. And I just want to read the first couple of lines from that psalm and to see the crying out to God followed by Jesus reminding himself of all that's true about God and God's love. Here's Psalms 22, verses 1 through 5. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet, Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Jesus also knew incredible gladness. I don't want to forget that in the season that we are living in right now. Because maybe you are not feeling exhausted by gladness right now. Maybe this is not the, the exhaustion of your wedding day where you just don't want the day to end, but you're so tired. Or it's not the exhaustion of when your child is born and you are just wore out but you don't want to list, miss just one moment of looking at that new person. Jesus knew gladness as well. And I am sure there were days that he was exhausted from healing people and the excitement that surrounded him. We are in a very unique season of life. And I invite you to feel all the emotions and to bring them to God and say, God, meet me here and give me what I need that only you can provide. Third, replenish. Let's get to the place where we get filled up. Jesus was human. He felt all the emotions. He got tired. And it's almost so shocking that Jesus once fell asleep on a boat in a storm. Like, that is how exhausted Jesus got. So you think you're exhausted this week? Think about being asleep in a very small boat, in a very big storm, and even the professional fishermen are afraid. And you are still able to sleep because you're so exhausted. The story of Jesus as a human 
is that he replenished himself by sleeping. So I invite you to rest, to take a break. You know, Jesus slept, Jesus took a break, and do you know what Jesus did not do? Everything. Jesus did not do everything. There's these amazing moments where he would be in a crowd and would would say he healed all the people. But in a different place, there'd be like one person he would zoom in on, heal that person, but all the other people around didn't get healed. Jesus didn't heal everyone. And in fact, Jesus came to one place in our world, Israel, and he only was there. He didn't go out and save the rest of the world, healing all over the place. Jesus did what the Father instructed him to do. And then, everything else, Jesus trusted that God was taking care of the rest. And so I invite us, myself included, to rest, to sleep, and to take a break. And Jesus also replenished himself spiritually. There's one day in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 14 where it gives two examples of how Jesus replenished himself spiritually. The chapter begins with the very bad news that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, his life was abruptly ended. And imagine the crushing blow and exhausting sadness that that was to Jesus. And here's what Jesus does. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Jesus, crushed, went off to a solitary place where he could meet with his father and and receive what he needed to receive. He met with his father to say, Father, this is not right. This is wrong. And I turn to you. I turn to you. What do you want me to do? And in that, he was filled. So when the crowd came, Jesus could have compassion on them. And so Jesus went out once again to the crowd, and that is the day he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, or fish. That seems like another exhausting task on top of already being depleted in sadness. And Jesus finishes that day, and this is what he says and what he does. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus went off by himself to pray to be replenished, to come to the Father 
and receive from the Father the encouragement that he desperately needed, the support that he needed in that moment of sadness, he went to the Father to receive. Friends, with all the changes and the emotional exhaustion, you too can replenish yourself by resting, by being spiritually replenished, by coming to the Father. All these choices are still available to us. It's the same. And in fact, it might be a new day of opportunity where we actually feel way more open to going to God and being replenished by him. So I have a few suggestions. If these will be helpful to you, I encourage you to try any of them out. So first, and these are also in the program in the app. First, like Jesus, rest. Rest. If there ever was a time to rest, it's now when what else are you going to do? But rest is something that you still have to take hold of. Because there's other things that are going to pressure you to take hold of them. You may need to set aside some of the anxiety, the worries about tomorrow, the fear, in order to pick up rest. So as a suggestion, in order to pick up rest, first, let go of some of those concerns. In order to let go of those concerns, I want to invite you to get a piece of paper and write on it, God, I am unhappy about, and then fill in the things you are unhappy about and bring that to God. And if you need another piece of paper, write at the top of that one, God, I am afraid of, and fill in the things you are afraid of right now and bring that to God. Maybe another piece of paper. God, I don't want. And write down the things right now that you just don't want. And bring that to God. And finally, get a definitely a new piece of paper for this one. God, I am thankful for. And write down the things that you are still glad about, you're happy about, the things that are still good, and bring that to God. And then take all those pieces of paper, smash them up, throw them over to the side of the room, and refuse to think about them for at least an hour, if not the whole day. Second, like Jesus Get outside. Jesus went up onto a mountainside to pray. The alone part is super easy these days. So get outside. Go for a walk. Move your body. Look at the trees. Hear the birds. Appreciate that God is still caring for all of his creation. There is still much, so much that is the same. And when you're outside... Or when you're inside, take deep breaths. This is an amazing thing about our bodies, that our bodies can be reset 
by some deep breathing. So take some deep breaths by breathing in through your nose for two seconds. Hold that for two seconds. And then breathe out through your mouth for two seconds. And then hold that for two more seconds before you inhale again. And if it's meaningful, you could put in a phrase that you breathe in, like breathe in love. And then when it comes to exhaling, exhale fear. And let it go. Bring in from God what he has for you that's true. And exhale anything else. Third, like Jesus, open the Psalms prayer book. You know, maybe this is a time. You've always wanted to memorize Psalm 23. This is the time. Memorize Psalm 23 and let those words sink into your bones. Or maybe this is a time to read Psalm 139 over and over and just let those words sink into you. And when you notice at the end the lament, it's kind of shocking that there's this like harsh lament ending. Maybe you'll appreciate the opposition that exists in our world for all that's true in the front half of Psalm 139. Fourth, like Jesus, cry out to God. You know, during this Lenten season, as we're moving toward Easter, this is a time to bring our lament to God. So read Psalm 22. Read Psalm 42. Listen to those psalms and let them, let them be words from Jesus' mouth into your ear, thinking about how Jesus read them as he was going to the cross. And make these words your own in your circumstances that you are living in today. Fifth, like Jesus, remind yourself of all that is true about God and remind yourself that's all that's true about God's care for you. Blaise Pascal once said, all of humanity's problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Maybe this is the time to learn how to sit quietly in a room alone. This is the time to learn to look to God. This is the time to look to God and, and receive from God. Maybe this is the time how to learn how to put our trust in God and a time to learn how to love our neighbors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather scattered in your name to put our eyes on you, to see all that is true about you, and to receive it as nourishment for our souls. These days, more than ever, we depend on you. Jesus, I pray that you would meet us now and fill us. Amen.